There's a verse of scripture that is, it just grips me when I read it in 2 Kings chapter 7 and verse 9. It says this, we're not doing right. This day is a day of good news, but we're keeping silent. If we wait until the morning light, punishment will overtake us. So therefore, come, let's go and tell the king's household. Now that verse of scripture, let me share a little bit of the context with you, what's going on. Ben-Hadad, the king of Aram, had come with his great army down to Israel to lay siege to the city of Samaria. And during that siege, of course, one of the things you try to do is to starve the people out. And so that was taking place inside Samaria. Things got so bad, people were so hungry that a donkey's head was selling for 80 shekels of silver. Never had that delicacy, don't care to, okay? Not only that, but a half a gallon of dove's manure was selling for five shekels of silver for people to purchase to eat. Things got even worse because one day the king there in Samaria, the capital of Israel, was walking along and a woman approached him and, 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 and was crying out to him. And he said, what can I do for you? And she said, I had this agreement with a woman. We agreed that today that we would boil my son and eat him and then the next day we would boil her son. And so we boil my son and ate him, but now she's taken and hid her son. That's how bad things were. And the king said, may the Lord do so to me and even more if by the end of this day I've taken off the head of Elisha, the prophet, blaming the prophet, blaming God. So he dispatches one of his messengers to go to Elisha. And Elisha, who's meeting with some of the elders of that time, said, listen, this son of a murderer has sent one of his men to take my head off. You hold the door against him. Don't let him in because the sound of his master's feet, the king's feet, won't be far behind. And sure enough, that's what takes place. And Elisha sends out word to them that says, Tomorrow at this time, a measure of fine flour will sell for one shekel and two measures of barley will sell for a shekel. And that messenger that the king was leaning upon said, How could this ever be? Even if the Lord opened up the windows of heaven, how could this happen? And Elisha said, you'll see it, but you'll not share in it. Outside the city gates of Samaria were four lepers. And as they're sitting there, they kind of come to their senses and say, look, what are we doing here just waiting to die? I mean, if we go into the city, even if we could, which was not allowed since they had leprosy, even if we went into the city, there's no food there, we'd die. And if we just sit here, we're going to die. The only place there's food's in the camp of the Arameans, let's go over there. Maybe they'll spare us and give us something to eat. If they kill us, we're going to die anyway. And so they go to the camp of the Arameans at twilight. Unbeknownst to them, God had caused the army of the Arameans to hear the sound of a great and mighty army, the sound of chariots and horses. And the Arameans hear this in some way and think, the king of Israel has hired the kings of the Hittites and the Egyptians to come and make war against us. They were so frightened, they left everything just as it was and fled for their lives. 
And in come four lepers to the outskirts of the camp. Nobody's there. They enter into a tent. And they begin to eat and drink and gorge themselves and take some silver and gold and some clothing that they go and hide. They come back going to the next tent. Do the same thing. And then comes the verse I read to you from four lepers who said, we're not doing right. This is a day of good news and we're keeping silent. If we wait until the morning light, punishment will overtake us. So therefore, come, let's go and tell the king's household. What about us? Can you make the application of that verse to we Christians? Is there ever a time it could be said of we Christians, we're not doing right. This is a day of good news and we're keeping silent. Could that be said of you? Can it be said of me? You see, there was another day of good news some 600 to 700 years after the events I just shared with you. The religious leaders had conspired against Jesus and had convinced Pilate to crucify Jesus of Nazareth. And Pilate finally turns him over to be crucified, and they do so. The religious leaders aren't content with that, only they come to Pilate the next day after Jesus had been crucified and said, that deceiver said while he was still alive that he would rise from the dead. Now you better put a guard on that tomb, else his disciples will come and steal the body and then tell everybody he's risen from the dead and the last deception will be worse than the first. And Pilate gives them a guard and they guard the tomb, his seal is on the tomb. Jesus being crucified on that Friday afternoon, taken down from the cross by Joseph of Arimathea, Nicodemus helped him, and they put him in a nearby tomb in a garden, Joseph's own tomb, it's believed. The women followed Saul where he was buried, in Matthew chapter 28, beginning in verse 1, it says, After the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to look at the grave. And behold, a severe earthquake had occurred, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled away the stone and sat upon it. His appearance was like lightning, his garment as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. And the angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid. I know that you're looking for Jesus who's been crucified. He's not here. He has risen just as he said. Come, see the place where he was lying, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he's risen from the dead. And behold, he's going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I've told you. And they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to report it to his disciples. What did the angel tell the women to do? Come and see the place where he lie. Then go quickly and tell his disciples. Just as the four lepers, they went, they saw, and then they went and told. Pretty good strategy, don't you think? Every Lord's Day, we come here. We come 
and we see what's in this book. Then what's next? We go and we tell. That's what's next. Last Lord's Day, we talked about the resurrection of Jesus. Andy set it up for us the week before that with the triumphal entry uh, through his preaching and what he shared with you. So what? What's next? What does that look like for us? Well, better look like going and telling. What a great strategy. So the women, they went and they told. They had a message of good news. What about us? Do we have a message of good news? Absolutely we do. The good news was proclaimed throughout the book of Acts. The apostles and the disciples, they had that message of good news. What did Jesus tell them to do? In that same 28th chapter of Matthew, at the end of the chapter, after he has finally appeared to the disciples following his resurrection, he meets them on a mountain and he says, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. And lo, I'll always be with you, even to the end of the age. They came, they saw, Jesus commissioned them to go and tell. And that's what the book of Acts is about. Those apostles going and telling. They went, they made disciples, they baptized those disciples, and they continued to teach those disciples everything Jesus had taught them. So today is a day of good news. The message hasn't changed, by the way. The same message they took is the same message we take. So here's what I want you to do. In ten words or less, I'm going to let you talk in church in just a minute. Okay? In 10 words or less, in 10 seconds or less, I want you to turn to someone next to you and tell them the good news. On your mark, go. <laughs> All right, how hard was that? How hard was that? That's not hard. Now listen, when we go and tell, I hope we don't mumble it like you just did. I hope you're excited about it. The greatest news the world has ever heard, we've got. We come and see, and we go and tell. That's exactly what the apostles did. Just going through the book of Acts, they were witnesses of the resurrection. The resurrection absolutely dominates the proclamation of the good news in the book of Acts. Book of Acts, the only book of history in your New Testament. And from the very first chapter in the book of Acts, I mean, if you flip to that, and you're going to see up on the screen all these verses, and there's probably more besides these in the book of Acts, that make reference to the resurrection. In Acts 1 verse 3, to these he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking of the things concerning the kingdom of God. Talking about the appearances of Jesus. 
after his resurrection. Later on in that chapter, when they're seeking to replace Judas Iscariot that had taken his life, one of the requirements for an apostle was that one of these should become a witness with us of his resurrection in verse 22. In chapter 2, in Peter's message on the day of Pentecost, in verse 23, this man delivered up by the predetermined plan of foreknowledge of God, you nailed to a cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death, and God raised him up again, putting an end to the agony of death, since it was impossible for him to be held in its power. In verse 32 of that chapter, this Jesus God raised up again, to which we are all witnesses. In chapter 3, verse 15, Peter said, You put to death the prince of life, the one whom God raised from the dead, a fact to which we are witnesses. And all through the book of Acts, you see that the resurrection absolutely dominated their proclamation of the gospel. Does it dominate our proclamation? So what's the point? Did they have a message Yes. Was the message good news? Yes. What was that message of good news? The resurrection of Jesus. Yeah. And if you put it all together, John 3.16 is the gospel in a nutshell. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. That eternal life is possible because of The resurrection, absolutely. Over and over again, the Bible says they were witnesses of the resurrection. Are we? Or are we witnesses of something else? Have we changed the message? We better not. Have we forgotten the message? Well, I hope not. What are we witnesses of? Are we witnesses of our church? Oh, come out to New Hope. Man, we've got people that that love, will love you, friendly people. I mean, we've got a good congregation. You need to come and visit us. Nothing wrong with that, as long as it doesn't replace the good news. Are we witnesses of our Sunday school class? You need to come to our Sunday school class. I think you'd really enjoy it. We've got a great teacher. We're studying this this certain part of the Bible. It's just so interesting. Nothing wrong with that. As long as it doesn't replace the good news. You need to come to our church. We've got a preacher that, well, let's go on to the next one. (laughs) Jesus died on the cross for you. He died to save you. Nothing wrong with that. But don't leave out the resurrection. Because 1 Corinthians chapter 15 tells us that if Christ is not raised, we are still in our sins. Wow. The resurrection had to happen. And the resurrection must be dominant. We must be witnesses of it. It is the answer to so many questions. So many questions. Why should I become a Christian? 
because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Why should I believe the Bible? Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I mean, if Jesus rose from the dead like he said he would, don't you think we better believe everything else he taught? How do I know that Jesus is God's Son? Because of the resurrection. Romans chapter 1 verse 4 says that Jesus was declared the Son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead. The resurrection proved that He was who He said He was. Or maybe I should say it proves that He is who He says He is. Instead of past tense, maybe we better make that present tense. Jesus is alive. Why should I believe in life after death? Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Romans 8 verse 11 says that if the spirit of him who raised Christ Jesus from the dead dwells in you, then he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who indwells you. Does his spirit indwell you? 